For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 373 of This Old Marketing for Friday, April 28th, 2023. And with me, as always, my pal, my colleague, and, well, one of the only media commentators who didn't get fired this week, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Wasn't that crazy? You didn't, right? I mean, you're not, yeah, it's totally, it's totally well, nuts. Well, I'd have to fire myself, I, Robert, which could possibly happen. I mean, I've thought about it. No, I'm, no, that could happen. Yeah, it, it absolutely yeah. could. But the, the, the same day or the same time period aspect of the Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, not, I mean, I know the NBC Universal CEO got canned as well. It's just strange. Yes, that's right. It's almost yeah. like they organized it that way. You know, they're talking. Well, here's what I think. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, so my, my conspiracy theory uh, ears got a little, you know, perked up as it were. And I think, here's what I think happened. I think CNN got news, somehow heard through the rumor mill or whatever that they were going to let Tucker go. Okay. And so basically at that point, or maybe they heard, you know, because from what I understand, and this is all conjecture, by the way, right? So yeah, because we know nothing. last show. We are not journalists. We know nothing. We are yeah. not journalists. Nobody, here. this is not a factual yeah, we know podcast show. That's Ever. correct. Exactly. Yes. And so from what I understand, however, they he signed off on Friday and then over the weekend was told that this was going to go down. And then Monday they made the announcement. And so I think people at CNN got wind of that over the weekend and decided, okay, this is the perfect time for us to let uh, as as somebody else on my Facebook said, the perfect let let the lemon drop. Oh my god, <laughs> which was great. Uh, yeah, that's good. Um, and basically said, hey, we, this is a way we can sort of ride the ride the news wave and you know fly a little bit under the radar and and limit the you know limit the negative press because if they have to cover both, then it won't be as you know there there will be limited time. Uh, given to this, if they were, that's, if they my, actually that's did my that, thinking. You know, it's interesting. If CNN actually did that, incredibly smart because most of the focus was on yeah, Carlson very smart. He's the number one. That's right, exactly right. Yep. I had to look, you know, in all the um, news articles that were coming out about it. I always forget how much more people watch Fox over CNN. It's it's CNN at well, the bottom you know, of the three, it, then NBC News, then Fox, way up. Yes, it's crazy. That's right. It's it, well, yeah, but you know what else is amazing? What we always forget is how few people actually watch the news. I mean, the ratings for television news, generally speaking, even the you know the number one, which is Fox, is three million viewers. That you know that's in a that that's that's if they're getting three million in a universe of uh, television measurement, by the way, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 110 to 120 million households. That means that at any one time, if they have a, you know, if they're getting 3 million, that's a 3% viewing rate. That's, I mean, basically nobody watches the news. You know what, that's I mean, they're, they're, such a good point, because if you think about it, 
you would look at somebody like a Mr. Beast that gets what five to fifteen million per episode that he throws out. That's right. Way more people are Jeez. watching Mr. Beast than are watching television news. Yes, that's correct. Which is amazing, right? Given how much influence and impact it seems to have on the local culture. And it's and a lot of that, by the way, I think is the sort of uh, self, well, call it narcissism, call it whatever it is that mainstream media has with itself. You know, I mean, we, you know, even if you if you watch the news this week or CBS, NBC, ABC, all of the major mainstream news outlets, MSNBC, we're all covering the Tucker Carlson uh, firing as if. It was this tectonic shift in the media world, right? And it's like, it really isn't. It, it, if you look at it objectively, yes, he was the number one rated news commentator on cable TV. But when you compare that to how many people actually watch other things yeah. and get their news in other ways, it's really basically Tucker Carlson, the number one among adults, you know, 55 and over <laughs> is who got fired, right? And so it's it is a fascinating look to see how many how few people actually watch television news these days. So basically you're telling me that this is a non-story. <laughs> Pretty much. It is. I mean, it, it, in in the scheme of it all, it really is kind of a non-story. Television is way overweighted in terms of uh its actual impact uh, on on, you know, Con, you know, news and content consumption. Well, I w- there are way more people watching TikTok. There are way oh, more yeah. people watching, getting their news from YouTube, getting their news from Facebook, getting their news from... There are way more people doing that than are getting their quote-unquote news from, from Fox. Well, I was talking with some of my media friends about this, and I posted on LinkedIn as well about, hey, you know, these three people just got fired, but if they would have had their own audiences, <laughs> you know, if they had their own newsletters... And their own database and their own content on their own channels, they wouldn't have to worry about this. And you know, talking with some of my my friends about it, you know, the, who are editors and writers and and video production people at some of these news channels. I mean, they take a little bit of offense to it. And I'm like, no, it's like it's fine. You could work for someone else. But I said, there's no loyalty anymore. You can get fired tomorrow. The the some of these That's media right. business models are very tenuous. So you just got to be careful. And my take would have been, and I don't. You know, they probably can't do it because some of these agreements and contracts are airtight. But it would be nice if a Tucker Carlson, in this case, would have had his own email database or email newsletter that that he could have controlled. And if he goes offline, no big deal. We talked about this at length when when Trump got thrown off the platforms, right? He never put anything into email and then creates Trump social and the whole or true social (laughs) Trump social. And the whole thing, but you know, too little, too late, if you will. But it would be nice, and that's the deals that I would like to see, is if you are a, a writer, a storyteller of some kind, and you start working for a media entity, that some piece of you can keep your real estate, can grow your own stuff. Just as, just Well, as just simultaneously, right? I mean, yeah. 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 Well, it's the it goes back to the special episode we did on Build Your Audience, and... You talked about this idea of, uh, you know, making sure that you are building your email list, and I talked about the fact that you know use your juice, right? Use you know use you basically if you're on a platform, 
because people underestimate the power of the platform. They really do, right? People didn't, you know, it, it, yes, Tucker Carlson was the number one on Fox, and Fox is the number one for news. But I think if in hindsight, if you look at this as a case study, I think Tucker probably overestimated his own influence within Fox. And basically, Murdoch reminded him, and by the way, everybody else there, that he's not bigger than the platform. The platform is the what's important here. Yeah. He, you know, he very much like Bill O'Reilly before him, he can be replaced. And people will still watch. And so to your point, if he had sort of thought about that and and while he was there had built up his own email audience, his own addressable audience, he'd be in a lot better shape. Now, maybe he did. Maybe he I, I don't know enough about him or listen or watch, you know, to see. But it would not surprise me to see him try to mount a comeback on digital in some way, either as an independent entity or more likely, I think, is that he joins join some other thing. Some, you know, it's a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work starting from zero to get things going, even if you have a name. I had um, there were a couple of people. That, yeah, well, well, that's exactly the point. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of people that commented on my little LinkedIn post and said, "Oh, Tucker's going to be just fine. He was able to, uh, you know, ride the coattails." a fox and build this thing it's like yeah of course tucker is more famous because of fox news no doubt about it that's right right now tucker's at zero like tucker has to do something tucker doesn't have any assets besides people know tucker doesn't have any connection doesn't have any data nothing that tucker can sell monetize nothing right now so i'm sure there'll be a book i'm sure there'll be something else but it's a real difficult situation to be in and the the sad thing is is that it didn't have to happen we are all smart enough now, and we've known this for 20 to 30 years, to protect ourselves as storytellers, as content creators. Yeah. So shame on yep. him for not doing it. So. Yeah. Well. As much as I love Tucker Carlson. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Oh, sure. You know, I'm here. Sure no, you here's did. the thing. I'm, and nothing, I'm not Tucker bashing at all. All I'm saying is, is that Tucker has changed ideologies so many times, it's hard to keep track of. Tucker never yes, stood for correct. anything. Tucker only stands for whatever network Tucker's on. That's what always bothered exactly. me about him because he all he was on the other side for a long, long time when he was doing crossfire yep. episodes and other. He was always taking the liberal side. Then he's a conservative. Then he's back and forth. I'm like, I, I don't even know what I don't even know what this guy's doing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean, as evidenced by, and I think this is what ultimately did him in, as evidenced by the text messages that he was sending during the whole January sixth thing. It's it's, I think it's pretty evident that he was. You know he's 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 playing. You know he's 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 playing the meme, right? I mean he's whatever. He, he, Tucker's he, in it yeah, for Tucker calling yeah. Trump an idiot. Yeah, Tucker yeah, doesn't course, have any. Idea and he, by the way, he, by the way, he will be fine because remember he comes from like a super wealthy. Fa- you know he that the whole Swanson frozen dinner that whole you know that whole brand is his family. So he, he'll he's he's not going to be you know he doesn't need work. Let's put it that way. He doesn't need to work, but he will. He'll he'll come yeah. out of this just fine. He will he will come out of this just fine either way. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Whether he builds oh, yeah. an audience or not. I'm sure he's he's I mean, he's probably enjoying his first time off for a long time. He's probably really happy about it. Hey, before I know we're already running long. Yeah. But I just I've Yeah, had, yeah. I've had a lot of people you know, a lot of people on this show Uh-oh. send me kudos. I just wanted to say okay. I survived the marathon, beat my goal time. Oh, uh, that's yes, yes. Everything, ever you saw the pictures yep. and the videos and everything on. on I social, did. But I saw the video, the pictures, the whole thing. I was very proud for you. Thank you. I uh, yeah. 
it was uh, it was an amazing experience. I really did try, and and um, I got a lot of really good. I got two pieces of good advice, and then we'll move on. The one was from Ruth Carter, and Ruth said, "Smile as much as you can because it will hurt less." That's absolutely true. Such great advice because whenever it really, whenever yeah, I was about ready to give up, that's great advice. I just started smiling, and it did. It felt better. I don't know what it is. It's crazy. And the other piece of advice, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, maybe I'll remember before the end of the episode. But he told me, he said, when you come through the finish line, make sure you look down and you see your foot crossing the line that you completed the journey. And I made sure I did that. I That's looked cool. down and I took oh, a second. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, said thank you and and made it through. But uh Oh, yeah. that's that's brilliant. Wasn't that something? Because you do all the work and I, you're I, going those are for two the great destination. Of advice. And, and he said, yeah. and the, the, his 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 commentary to me was, he said, so many people just oh they reach the finish and they run through and they get their medal and it's just blah blah. You know, you you got through, but you don't take two seconds and say I made it and actually see the thing happening. And he says, make sure you see the thing happening. You coming through the line, and and the culmination of all the work that you you put into it. So I love that. That was, that was very, very good. And, uh, and actually <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it on this show, but, uh, and I, and I hate, I hate to, to talk more about her than I normally do because she thinks I talk about her too much on with my content, but I did get a, a stern talking to the day before from my wife that I wasn't setting my goal okay. for my time. Yep. She she thought I was olaying it, if you will, if you believe that. And I oh I my see my content Inc podcast, which comes out on Monday this week, is about sure her her talk to me, her strategic okay talking the the talking to that I received from. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, I will. I will. I will <laughs> very interestedly listen to that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Long story short, she said. I said my goal was to finish, that nobody, that I shouldn't have a goal time, that I should just finish because finishing is enough. And she said, "Sure, it's like Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you're just not. You're, you're. As long as you're standing in the fifteenth round, that's you're right." Done. But she said, "No, that's not right." She said, "No, you, you should, right. you should give everything you've got. Set a time that is a real stretch goal, and go out there, right, and and run like there's no. She's tomorrow. your Adrian. So she's your Adrian. She is. She's helping you set better goals." But I was mad at her. I was not. I yeah. Was not, I, I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? But she was right. I hate when she's right. <laughs> she's always right. I, the funny thing is, I can I can see you going. What What are you talking about? What I I I said good goals. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually ex- exactly how the conversation went. Yeah. I said, I'm what are sure you talking about? And I she, put all this work at, in and. That's right. And then she looked time. at you like she I I know that look. I know that look and the little eyebrows furrowed down and she gave that little turn the corner of her mouth and went, "Really? Really?" <laughs> no, she's yeah, funny. Really? It's so funny. <laughs> Runners will appreciate that. She said, "What'd you do your last half marathon in?" I said, "207." She said, "Just double it." She said, "Should be doing it yeah. in 415." I said, "It's not that yeah. easy." <laughs> Yeah, so crazy. <laughs> but I did. I did because just to spite her, just to spite her, I ran a 415. There it is. Yeah, yeah I'm sure she feels spited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she was so happy afterward. 
She's like, I know you. Nice. I, she's like, I can bend you to my will. <laughs> Anytime well, that, I want. That absolutely, yes. That's, that's absolutely you know, true. when, yes. All right. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. I'm, I'm in the same boat. All right. So enough yeah, about you. Let's, let's get on with show. the show. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Um, we'll open with a story and ask the question, is BuzzFeed dead or only mostly dead? Uh, and then we'll talk about the chaos of the blue check mark on Twitter over the last weekend. Is it now a badge of dishonor? It's actually got me thinking a little bit. Um, uh, you lost your check mark, didn't you, over the weekend? I lost it you and did, I got you, it back, but I want to talk about it, yeah. I, oh, okay. I bought, oh, it. That's I bought it back, I, but so, I, I have a reason for it. Yes. But okay, there you we'll go. Then uh, OpenAI uh, now offers a little bit more privacy and may offer even some more. Uh, we'll talk about where OpenAI is now with the idea of the learning model and how content you may be putting in there isn't uh, actually all that private. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll talk about social media ad spend and how it's dropping. But... Here we go. Meta and Google both had, you know, really nice quarters and earnings announcements. So what is going on there? We have our Q&A segment, our new Q&A segment. And uh, the, our question will come from someone who's going to ask a little bit about how they should be using AI and in the services that they're providing to clients. And then I will have a rant uh, a little bit about the Bud Light thing. It's more of a mea culpa than it is a rant. I'm kind of ranting on myself. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then Joe will finish us off with a rant uh, or a rave. We're not quite sure what you're it you're is. Never sure his, his yeah, you're never sure about You're never sure. No, you're really not. It, you, you, you're such a nice man. Um, anyway, <laughs> so we'll get to all of that. We'll get to all of that stuff. Uh, and as we will bend Joe to our will, that is the, that's, yes. that's, that's where we're really focused here. Um, all right, let's get to let's it. Let's do it. And let's open up with our first story here coming to us courtesy of CNN, although there are a number of outlets uh, with a little bit of schadenfreude, I have to say, sort of covering this because BuzzFeed was always sort of the brand that all media companies love to hate on. The article opens up by saying BuzzFeed News, the digital news outlet that has harnessed the power of social media to take the Internet by a storm, is shuddering. Uh, the move marks uh, the end of the digital media upstart frenzy rooted in the late aughts uh, that enlisted a new generation of young journalists and once threatened entrenched legacy news organizations. The outlet once inspired tremendous jealousy from the likes of CNN and the New York Times. Remember this article coming from the CNN. <laughs> Flush with venture capital cash, it poached up top journalists at establishment outlets, uh, opened bureaus across the world, and touted its ability to send stories viral across the web. Back then, BuzzFeed was the envy of media and its employees, the cool kids in the industry, as it were. The outlet was sewn into the fabric of the culture. Lists and quizzes saturated social media feeds and dominated the internet. The digital news pioneer rode the early growth of platforms like Facebook and Twitter to soaring heights, and older competitors were wary about this new horizon opening up the web. The article goes on to then talk a little bit about Jonah Peretti talking about this. By the way, BuzzFeed is not going away completely. It is the BuzzFeed news mm -hmm. uh, part of BuzzFeed that is that is getting uh, shuttered here, So, which is really the heart of the organization. But all right, so what do we think about all of this? Uh, Joe Polizzi, what do you what do you think? I think it's a smart business decision on BuzzFeed's part. Everybody in the media that I can see is treating this like BuzzFeed is actually going out of business. But I'm glad you made that point. They're not going out of business. They're just closing yeah. the news no. division, 
And when there was a time for this, BuzzFeed News was fantastic. Maybe the best around, especially as social media, as you say, was growing. They were big on Twitter and Facebook. And then when they lost the Facebook algorithm in 14 or 15, we've talked about this on the show. They said, what are we going to do? They focused on their newsletters and they went into the newsletter business. And that's done very well and continues to do well for them. But if you look at just the news division, and this is any news division, this is a B2B media company's news division, or if you look at a consumer news division like the New York Times, Financial Times, Washington Post, whatever, it's very costly and it's very, very difficult to make money just on news. You have to make it up somewhere else. So if you're looking at the business model of BuzzFeed, you're saying, all right, this is weighing us down. And I told... We, we sort of talked about it in the beginning about some people. This article itself says, what will BuzzFeed do without the halo effect of BuzzFeed news? Nothing. They don't have to write. <laughs> what? I'm like, what? Is that a thing? I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a thing anymore. No. And what we really know, and the, and the article says this as well, that is it's the, whereas there was a time that social media networks and publishers like BuzzFeed really worked well together. They grew together. That is no longer the case. Social media right. networks do not need any news professionals anymore because they have every day million people, million more people are creating content on their platforms than were the day before. And they all want to be yeah. creators. So they don't yeah. need the BuzzFeed <clears throat> as much as they used to. So. Well, that's that's I think you're exactly right. I mean, I don't think it's what this is. There's that wonderful. Uh, uh, it's it's a forgive me for quoting Star Trek, but you know you know me. Um, there is a a wonderful from Star Trek: Next Generation where Jean Luc Picard says to one of his officers, "You know, you can do everything right and still lose." And BuzzFeed didn't do everything right. Um, but their talent did, right? I mean, they won Pulitzer Prizes, right, for for their news coverage and their journalism. And it's not that they didn't have the talent, and it's not that they didn't cover the news well, and it's not that they didn't really do a good job uh, of 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 you know that a newspaper or a news outlet should do. You can make a strong argument that the big Achilles heel was going public. They just they they shouldn't have gone public. Um, and they would be in a lot better position if they had. You're probably right. Um, yeah, that I agree. And that's there's a greed level there that I think took effect um, and slowed down many of the evolutions. And just because you have to slow down a lot when you go public in terms of how quickly you can make decisions and wh- why you're making decisions that you make, um, because it has to read well to the street uh, in order for you to not have your stock price tank. So there's that. And then the second thing is, and related, is they did not react well to the decline of social media and the news, just to your point. They did not, you know, they did not move nearly fast enough to make that not a core piece of their business. And so you you put those two things together. What I want to know is we have covered many, 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 many times on this show the innovative ideas that they had with the product lines where they introduced the whole cookware line. T- where yeah, they, tasty lines. I can't yep. find Absolutely. anything on that. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, do, have yeah, you seen anything on that? No, no, I, I actually don't. I'm surprised that I'm not hearing more. I mean, because we've covered it many times. I In my presentation, I cover BuzzFeed newsletters all the time. I've covered Tasty. I think that 
if you take BuzzFeed News out and you take that that cost structure out, I'm really interested to see, and we'll see it next quarter, the profitability. Yeah, it makes a difference because what's what's BuzzFeed? What can BuzzFeed be best in the world at? We talk about our content tilts and differentiation all the time. You're talking about it at Creator Economy Expo. How can you differentiate in the sea of sameness? Well, BuzzFeed has a right. newsletter called This Week in Cats. I'm under the assumption that they're the best in the world <laughs> at producing a newsletter right. about cats. And that's right. And the same thing, a yep. dog a day. I uh, It's great. I want a dog a day. Who's going to deliver that to me? BuzzFeed. I love it. And, of course, they do a great job with their cooking club, Tasty Cooking Club. So I I think this and is – And, by the a, way, they still own Huffington Post and, and all of that, yeah, too. So I think there's, this is, there's, there's a whole other – Yeah, I think it's really good. By the way, we haven't even talked about it because it just came out. Vice Media and Vice News, uh, Vice News Tonight, they're they're closing that down. They're shuttering that little effort yep. that they gave. That's right. So here's the thing. This is 2023. What do we know about it? We might – if we get to it, we'll, we'll cover about social media – Ad decline. Advertising and sponsorship dollars are down across the board. Across the board. That's right. And so these things that are fully supported by advertising are going to need to go away. And BuzzFeed News, I think, is almost entirely supported by advertising. Hurts. Oh, I would have to imagine it is. Yeah. I mean, they don't have a subscription product. That's right. But there are other things. that. That's why we should really look into it. Maybe I'll spend some time after CEX and go through and look at what Tasty's doing because the merch that they were and you, we talked about it. They were um, they were in Cole's department stores and a couple other ones with their with their cooking stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is a, this is a thing. And it was it wasn't like it wasn't like you know a tiny amount of revenue. It was hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue that they were. That's right. They their print on demand stuff the, was going this. with their with their cookbooks. Yes, yeah, exactly. Was incredible. That was millions of dollars. So it, it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. But I think it's a good. Yeah fiscally responsible move for a public company blah 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 yeah yeah and i think it feeds well well it, it also feeds well into the what we were talking about at the top of the show which is the media tends to love to focus on itself and so the coverage of this is much more hyperbolic than it probably should be right to your point this is probably just a business decision that was made, and it was probably in the long-term best interest for BuzzFeed to do this. We'll see how it affects their valuation. We'll we'll see how it affects their, you know, the the ability for them to sell, perhaps, you know, to to another media company. Um, you know, I was listening to uh, Kara Swisher and and Galloway talk about this, and they were basically ringing the death knell, right? They were saying, ah, this is. This is BuzzFeed dying, basically, and they're going to have to sell, and they'll have to sell to some, you know, Galloway was saying, basically, yeah, you're going to have to sell to some, you know, CEO of some company that wants to buy a media brand like Bezos or uh, that kind of thing, and and you'll have to do that. And I don't think that's true at all. I think this is, this is that I'm so reminded of, I know, I know I remind you of this conversation that you educated me on so many years ago during the New York Times thing, but it's just, it's so appropriate when I, you know, when I said to you, wow, this is really bad for the New York Times when they went through that whole transition and you went, you said to me, no, they're just right-sizing. They're just, they're just getting right. And that's such an important lesson for us to learn is that long-term, this may be a very positive development for them, but we'll see. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how they actually execute against it. It's funny you mentioned that because as Facebook or as Meta has laid up, by the way, they came out with a great earnings report today. Oh my um, God! Yes, incredible. As, as Microsoft, as all these layoffs that you're seeing, that's all right sizing, folks. 
They all just got yeah. a little bit too big for their britches in certain areas. And you're just looking, oh, we got a cut back yep. here, got a cut back here, got a cut back BuzzFeed News so that we can make the other parts of the organization that much better and more profitable. So there you go. That's right. Perfect. That's right. Love it. All right. Let's move on to our next story here, which comes to us courtesy of Axios. But again, there was a number of uh, outlets reporting on this. Over the weekend, it was a tumultuous, uh, I guess, time across Twitter as blue checks disappeared, appeared, reappeared, all those kinds of things. The As the story on Axios opens up and says, Twitter users are pushing back against Elon Musk's new pay for verification policy, with many journalists and celebrities opting to cancel their subscriptions out of embarrassment instead of keeping their blue checks. Internet verification used to be a badge of honor, says the article. Now it's achievable to anyone who is willing to buy it, and so it's become a signal of desperation. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but all right, we'll 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 go with that for a second. Twitter last Thursday began removing blue check marks from hundreds of thousands of accounts belonging to celebrities, journalists, and other public figures who were verified by the platform before Musk changed the rules. The Twitter CEO later announced that he's personally paying for some high-profile users to remain verified on Twitter, even when they'd indicated they didn't want this status under the new subscription system. Then it emerged over the weekend that blue checks marked had returned to the Twitter profiles of many accounts with more than 1 million followers. Uh, there was fewer, further confusion over the weekend after blue check marks returned to several accounts of high profile Twitter users who are no longer alive with the message this account is verified because yeah. they are subscribed to Twitter Blue and verified their phone number. Which is pretty good. <laughs> pretty rich, if you ask me. Anyway, the article goes on to talk about how this verification thing is a big mess and, uh, and, that, and that Twitter has really blown it. But um, uh, so uh, what do you think about all this? I mean, it's, it's, it, it seems to me that there is a case to be made that now if you have a blue check mark, it's a little bit of like, oh, you're, you know, you're a, you know, you're an Elon slave or you're, you know, it, it's a little bit, that's certainly the, 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 I guess the halo effect of the blue check has changed fundamentally. I mean, what do you think? Well, it, obviously it means something completely different. It's verification over right. status. It's not a, so I, yeah, I lost, so I had but it's my not blue even check verification. mark for, it's, it's not even verification anymore. I mean, it's well, just literally, this is the it problem. indicates that you paid for the service. This is my, so this is my concern. So, so whatever, 10 years ago, I got my check mark. That was great. I, I was somebody, right? I was somebody yep, in, in Twitter right. land. And then last week, it was gone. It just poof, it was gone. Now, fine. Yeah. Twitter's going to go to this idea of verification. They make the decision to do this so you can have a authenticated or verified account. And then he gets a bunch of blowback from it. And then now we don't know. Because you said that now, right? There's there's a whole picture uh, back and forth between Stephen King saying, "I gave my phone." It says, "I gave my phone number and verified my account, but I didn't." And Elon says, "No, I just, I just gave you a check mark because I wanted you to have one." This is the problem with it. Twitter. Just needs to say this is what it means and stick to it. Everybody, don't right. let anybody. Well, that's else the thing. The, cri- the messaging is not crisp. The messaging on is terrible, and him going back and forth is that's the worst part of of every. There's a lot of potential still with Twitter. And the the part that Elon is messing up is he can't stay on a decision. Just stay on a decision for more than a day and let it go and see. Right. Now, I decided to go and try the, the blue check mark. I paid for the Twitter blue, which I think is eight bucks a month or something like that. And I'm yep. doing and I yep. made a decision to do that. And I just got it today, actually. Um, 
And I think I got it because I paid. I don't think Elon gave it back to me because he thinks I'm Stephen King or anything like that. So I'm paying eight bucks a month for this thing. And I'm doing the same thing. I pay for services on LinkedIn and I pay for services on Meta. And I don't have my Meta verified yet because I just did the whole Instagram Meta verified yet. And I'm doing that because, and we've talked about it, because of all the fake accounts that I've got going on around Joe Polizzi. And it it's horrifying that I get emails yeah. and texts from people that say some, somebody that has your name and it's spelled a little bit different is asking me for stuff and they know who my friends are and a little bit of information about me. It's, it's, it's a little bit of heartbreaking to tell you the truth. So I'm doing this verification. Yeah. So people, but know. that's the, that's the, but that's the, well, but here's the thing on Twitter, I could launch an account tomorrow. Yeah, I realize that. That that, and can buy the blue check there as well. And this is already happening, by the way. There's already a, there are dueling, uh, city of New York, accounts where one is going, no, no, we're really the city of New York, and another one's going, no, no, we're really the city of New York, and both of them have blue check marks. See, here's the problem. So yeah, if Twitter does its job, so here's the thing. I, all I had to do with Twitter is verify that I have a phone number. And they and pay my money. Well, you just have to do that with an account. With the, I mean, that's, 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 no, that's account, right. That's what I'm right? saying. Twitter yeah. does it wrong. When I went through the meta process, I have to show a ID of my name and my yeah, residence. Exactly. It, and I have got right. I've got multiple things that I've got to do, and I, they're still checking my. So it's been a week, and I still haven't heard whether or not. I so hopefully there have people or somebody checking on that. I'm. I have a feeling that Meta has the process correct. And they're actually going to do a little bit of work and say, yes, Joe Polizzi, you say that's who you say you are, whatever. And it's it's very it's much more difficult for somebody else to do that. So that's right. Well, it's a, or somebody to fake to that. Fake right? it. I'm I mean, sorry. That's to fake it. It's fake not that. impossible, Twi- but it's but it's absolutely hard to hard to do. And by the way, hard to do at scale. Yes. Like, you know, you could see somebody doing that for going through to the trouble of all of that for you know something that might be worth it. You know, but I mean, not to say you're not worth it, but none of us are really worth that much effort because what are you going to do? I mean, talk about content marketing and, you know, I mean, you know, so doing it against a politician or doing it against a, a famous musician or somebody like that might be worth it. Right. But to go through all that trouble. But that's the whole point of the verification thing is, is that it makes the bar so high that it stops being worth it it stops being worth it for the for the people who would normally do such a thing so that's the and twitter hasn't set that bar high enough on how and that's so that's the problem so they're arguably they've lowered it they've lowered the bar actually which is oddly uh weird so this is it this is what disgusts me about the whole process is twitter i believe we've talked about it on the show that that should have some kind of subscription service is verification part of that? I don't know, but that's the first thing they launched. Yeah. But they launched a crappy product. It's a bad yes. product that they launched, and it, it, it upsets that's right. me. So, and he's going back and forth, so you don't even know. <laughs> Did they buy it? Did they not? Is Elon just in the mood that he wants to give it to these people, but not these people? What? What? Yeah. It's just, yeah. what is Elon doing? Yeah. Come on. I saw a bumper it's, sticker. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't know if you saw that. on a. I saw a bumper sticker on a Tesla. So there's a person driving. I tell you, the bumper sticker says, "I bought this before I knew how crazy he was." <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I have seen that. I have so, seen that. Anyways, I have definitely seen that. All right, let's move on to our uh, last story that we'll cover here, uh, and it is about uh, AI and Chat GPT. Uh, the headline is going to come to us courtesy of Mashable. 
And it's a really interesting thing because as, I don't know if we covered this or not, but over the last couple of weeks, it has certainly been uh, noted that the the chats, basically, the especially the titles of the chats that you have with ChatGPT were not private. Um, not only were they not private, they were found out to be easily seeable. Um, they closed that hole, of, of course, but um, now what they've said in a blog post that came out this last Tuesday, OpenAI, and this courtesy of Mashable, as I said, have a new setting that allows users to disable their chat history full stop. When disabled, that means that the content shared with ChatGPT will not be used to improve the learning model. It obviously means that conversations uh, are are now retained, but only now for 30 days and then deleted from OpenAI's system altogether. Previously, the only way to prevent your data from being shared with the model uh, was basically uh, to, um, to, well, to, to opt out through a form linked in on one of OpenAI's articles about its privacy policy. Now it's much easier, of course, and much more accessible to turn off this data sharing. Further, as Mashable reports, and I've heard in a couple of other places, they are now announcing the development of a ChatGPT business subscription, uh, not to be confused with the Pro or Plus subscription that you may already have access to, but basically the for professionals who need more control over their data as well as enterprises that are looking to manage end users. So the ChatGPT business subscription, as they're currently calling it here in the Mashable article anyway, would fall under the API data usage policy, which doesn't share chat content with its uh, model. That's going to be a relief for a lot of companies that are sort of worried about their workers using ChatGPT uh, after a bunch of Samsung employees had inadvertently shared confidential code with the chatbot, which became part of the learning model. So I've been diving deep over this, and I definitely want to get your take on this, but I've been, over the last two weeks, three weeks, I have been diving deep into AI, a lot, you know, the concept known as alignment, safety, what's going on, because I really wanted to understand what these academics... And AI experts are really talking about when they talk about the fear that we should all have. So I've been diving deep here, and and obviously that has included some of the privacy issues that are that we're covering here. And one of the interesting things to me is uh, when we start talking about all of this stuff is how we are using our data in you know in the learning model uh, itself, and how that starts to but obviously help improve things when we can keep it private but obviously when there's when there's when there's also uh, challenges here and interestingly the PR council uh, which is of course a association focused on earned media has now come out with their what they're calling their ethics guidelines on AI and we're starting to see this more and more where there are professional associations as well as publishers coming out with their ethics uh, ideas about what you know how you use AI in you know in your work uh, for generative you know, creating generative content and interestingly and I covered this a little bit for for CMI this week the uh, the the PR council basically said you should you know you have to disclose this right and you should not use it for any privacy oriented things in other words they're saying if you have a new product release from one of your clients you should not be up you know you should not be using ChatGPT to generate the first draft of that press release. Because you're basically uploading, in their words, uh, you're uploading that information for the learning model, very much like what the Samsung employees did when they uploaded that sort of proprietary code. And that's just, 
that you know that's just ripe for misuse from somebody else who may want to get to that information in some in some way who learns about it and can get to it in another way this may actually stem that a little bit this ability to sort of have uh, the ability to certainly keep your chats private but it'll be interesting to me to see how this all starts to come about with the learning model itself for some of the things that are a already there in other words can i remove something that was previously uploaded or previously available to the learning model um, and where they're going to start getting into things like, okay, what's going to be available you know, in the future versus what's, gonna, what's already available and therefore, you know, <laughs> you know, tough luck, it's already available. We, there's no way to remove it from the learning model now. So fascinating time where even the privacy and ethics guidelines that we may be developing are, you know, they're out of date before we, yeah. the, you know, the digital ink dries. So fascinating times with AI. And, and, and it's a, I have a, you know, this will come up when we talk about Q&A in a bit, but this is where uh, I think things are, are, are really getting quite interesting. I think the, the focus on what is true is going to come back to us quickly as, more and more people type in things that may or may not be right, and then ChatGPT is using it in its learning model. I mean, the Samsung yeah. thing that happened that was in the news, it was it was correct information, but it didn't have to be. It could have been anything that was put in there that is immediately thrown into the data that ChatGPT uses that most people, and this is what I think is true, and you could disagree with me or not, but... I would imagine that most people, this is true for Google, for Bing, for your, um, your iPhone device, whatever. They don't realize that everything you're doing on there is being counted and used as part of a data set for somebody else's profit. I don't think people realize that. I don't think people realized that they were typing things into ChatGPT and it, it was being taken into the system. It's going right into the matrix. <laughs> so... Of course, absolutely, and that, so that, I'm yeah. glad this I is mean, coming out and people see these things. Is I mean, the only reason that that OpenAI is making these changes is because Italy banned ChatGPT, and there's another complaint from the FTC. So they're like, "Oh, we have to do something. We better we better implement this privacy thing." And great, I'm glad they I, did. I, I, but most people don't know. Yeah, most people don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I look. I think from from everything I'm reading, OpenAI is really acting in in a quote-unquote responsible way, right? So Sam Altman has been all over, and he's definitely somebody I I think personally is worth listening to. And, and from everything I've read, from what he's talked about, from what he's written, and what is being written about OpenAI, they're trying their best. They, they earnestly believe that opening this up in this way fosters and generates the conversations that we need to have. In other words, by purposely making mistakes, we generate the conversations that need to happen sooner rather than later. And I, 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 I appreciate that. Like, I appreciate the way that they're going about this, even though it's a little uncomfortable at times, right? Yep. It's a, it's, it, it, it definitely generates a little bit of awkwardness or weirdness uh, into the system because they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're introducing issues that would normally, you know, you could you could hide those things, right? You could easily hide those things um, if you were if you were acting in a different way because you were trying to protect some level of of bottom line here. And so, 
I can appreciate their approach as the conversation happens. You know, one of the things that I that I wrote about this week um, for CMI is this is this some of the things that I'm starting to learn about, which is it. it one of the things that AI can't do right at the moment is it, it is always going to operate given the goals that it is given, right? In other words, when you when you create an AI, a smart agent like this, like ChatGPT, it will always operate against the goals that it's given. And one of the biggest issues with this this concept of alignment is making sure that we understand that because you know this is the classic. You know, this is the classic issue that that AI safety experts will will always talk about, which is if you give it the if you give it a goal where it the way that it achieves that goal is to determine that humans aren't necessary for it, it may be right. In other words, it may be accurate that you you know, and so it may start to act in a way that is against what we want to do or what you know, against our safety, against our better wishes. But it's right. So one of the things you have to realize about AI is that accuracy or being right is only right against the goals that it's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's amoral in that sense. In other words, AIs and ChatGPT right now, if you go, hey, write a press release against this new product that I have coming out, AI is not going to go, well, eh, maybe you don't want to do that. Yeah, you, you, This is not the best use of your time, nor is it the, the – the, you may have some privacy issues here, you know, those kinds of things, Right. It, it's going to dutifully write the press release that you wanted to write because that's its goal. You've given it, you've given it now a goal, and it's going to achieve that. And so this is where we need to really have the nuanced and complex discussions about, okay, where are we going with this? Because it's not going to be long before we have, you know, what's called AGI or general intelligence, where it's going to start making up its own goals, right? You know, where you know where AI is going to be smart enough to say. I know you told me this, but this is actually what you mean, and so I'm going to go do that, right? And and that's where it gets kind of scary. So and I and I'm starting to really understand sort of some of the the privacy slash safety slash honestly human condition orientations that that some of these that some of these AI experts are currently you know sort of shouting from the rooftops about. Yeah, well, I don't I don't want to go full boomer on you, but but if if, if you we're getting. We're getting to that point where AI is going to get the instruction of we would like, you know, please let's make peace on Earth, and it's going to realize, well, well, peace on Earth without without human beings. So, right, because they cause all war. (laughs) That's correct. I've seen this movie before, and and by the way, it may be right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Of course, it's right. There was one wonderful. It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've, I've been following this, uh, this one, uh, this one safety. AI safety guy who just explains things in such a wonderful, very easy to understand way. And he said, yes, they may determine that humans aren't necessary and that's correct. But guess what? We're still dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, that's the, yeah. that's the, that's the real, that's the real concern there. All right. Uh, we've killed that issue. But let's continue on. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. It's just so fascinating. I'm just, I'm just so fascinated by this whole thing. It's just, it's been really fun to, to to learn about. But let's let's talk about this a little more because we're actually going to get to our our question and answers segment here, uh, and we have a question from Paris. 
Hey guys, uh, my name's Paris. I am in Australia. I listen to your podcast um, quite frequently. I live in a van, so um, yeah, you make for very uh, interesting and engaging driving content. So yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Keep it up. Um, I am a marketing consultant and the marketer for a business that I co-own. Um, I've been using AI uh, through Jasper for a while for my show focus on small businesses um, with small budgets so AI for me has been a really great way to optimize um, clients budgets and give them more content for less um, I'm wondering like what if you could potentially have like a talking point about how potentially smaller businesses and people like myself you know what is the best way to go about um, showing that content is AI generated. I mean, up until now, um, and you know, some of the lawsuits and things that are coming out, I don't think that it's even on any of my small businesses' radar. It's just a handy tool for them um, to create content. And just to confirm, so the content is generated by myself, um, reviewed, uh, copy edited by myself, and then finally reviewed and edited by the client who are the subject matter experts. So it's not just, you know, generated and put out there straight up. Um, there's quite a few human review processes. But yeah, I, I'm just interested to see like what you guys think all right so what do you think uh what do you think joe i mean first of all the fact that paris lives in a van I, i'm gonna just i'm just gonna say it cheap I'm, I'm i'm hoping that there's a river nearby I paris really do. from I australia she, lives in a van yeah lives in a van by down by the river the river yeah. Yes. Th first of all, thank you, Paris. Yeah. Uh, Paris has been sending some yes, wonderful, thank you, Paris. wonderful articles question. and stuff to us, so we really appreciate it. So it's, just so I'm clear on this, uh, she's basically saying because she uses AI in her content and with her, her clients, does she have to notate that somewhere? that it has been AI manipulated, let's say. Is that what the question is? Is that what you heard? Yes, generally speaking, I think I think it's that, and it's even a little larger than that. She, I think she wants our thoughts on overall, is, it, is, is she being smart, right? By, by using AI to uh, service her clients, yes. you know, as she writes ad copy and writes blog posts or writes content, is that smart or is she going down the, the wrong route? And to your point, should she disclose it? You yeah, know, so, should, should it be part of the disclosure? I mean, the first, the first, yeah. So the first part is really easy. If AI is a tool, is not the storyteller, it is not the content creator in and of itself. In this case, it sounds like we're just talking about using a tool, just like a word processor, just like you move from the typewriter, uh, just, yeah. just like you're using Canva to design, you know, all those types of things. They're just tools. It's great. Use your tools if it's going to make you more efficient. Make your content better, uh, more valuable in some way. We want to use it, so that's great. I would absolutely do that. Um, so, so, and, and by the way, we just we're coming out with our research um, content entrepreneur creator economy research next week. We're releasing it at CEX, and seventy six percent of the thousand creators that we talk to are using AI tools in some way, shape, or form. So, the majority of content creators out there are using it. So, wonderful. That seems to be the way that it's going. I I don't know about the use of you. <laughs> You, we've talked about it, and I, I don't even know if I'm right about this, but I thought that at some point in the future, we would have to delineate whether or not the content that was delivered was 100% generated by AI or not. Now, 
here's where we're here's where Paris's question comes in. She's talking about just partial manipulation, partial effect yep. of AI. What do you, yep. what would you say to that? Does she have to denote that anywhere or no? I would say no at this point. Well, Oh, I would. I, I would. You I would say would. at the bottom. So, uh, this, note this part. We this was this content was created y- using AI tools to assist in assistance. No, here's it, what I would say is this. So, and this, by the way, fits. And, and Paris, I would absolutely urge you to go look at the uh, PR Council's new ethics with the regard to the use of of of, of generative AI. The thing on this, that specific uh, issue that they recommend, and I agree with it, is you either, if it's going to become part of everything you do for a client, then just make it part of your overall contract with that client, right? To say, hey, listen, as part of what I do here, I, I use AI tools to actually generate some of the versions of content that I will be creating for you. If it's only going to be on the sporadic onesies or twosies that you're going to do this on to do testing or do, you know, uh, you know, multiple versions for uh, uh, different audiences or whatever those kinds of things are, then uh, just note it in your, you know, whatever project plan you're doing, or, you know, just disclose it to your, to your, uh, to your client. That's what the PR council. And I, I tend to agree with that. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with it. Certainly I wouldn't be embarrassed by it. Um, what I would suggest and this goes to advice that I've given agencies for years, um, which is don't lean in so far to content creation. And this is just a, a more of a business strategy than it is what tools you use. But don't lean so far into content creation that that's the only value you provide to clients. Because guess what? If you're if that if the only value you're 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 providing to clients is to be able to cut and paste things into ChatGPT and get different versions of them, well, so can every competitor. And so you, basically you become a commodity that is only going to be as good as your priced and or your uh, last efforts were for a particular client because they can easily switch to somebody else who uses ChatGPT because they'll get the same level of results. So to the extent that you can, the service that you provide is strategy. The service that you provide is insight. The service that you provide is the ability to help improve a marketing situation. The fact that you use... ChatGPT to do one element that makes you a little more efficient, in other words, to generate the 22 versions that you want to A-B test of an ad headline or the ad copy for a social campaign or to... um, you know, to develop a different version of a blog post or to summarize the pod, uh, a podcast into a blog post, you know, very quickly so that you can improve it. Fantastic. That makes you 30% more efficient. It gives you the ability to bill a little more for your time, all those kinds of things. But that's not the service you provide. The service you provide is not using ChatGPT. The service you provide is something much more strategic or insightful. And so if you can position it that way, then disclosing the fact that you use AI to make you more efficient is no big deal. Like it's not. It's the it's the equivalent of a designer saying, "I use Photoshop because it makes me more efficient." Yeah. Um, and so that's that would be my advice to Paris. I, I just no. I love the the last part about that. And we when we used to sell custom publishing services, we talked about it all the time that the industry had it backwards. They used to give away the strategy to do the execution. And I always thought <laughs> right they should they should make people pay for the strategy and not do the execution. Right. Or that's not where you make the money. You make the money off of the strategy, and we always had that wrong. But that's right. 
go. That's right. Paris makes her money. Uh, You know, I would say Paris makes her money when one of her small businesses comes to her and says, we need 10 blog posts. Paris doesn't make her money by going, great, I'll give you 10 blog posts. Paris gives, gets her, should earn her keep with that client by saying, no, you don't need 10 blog posts. What you need is three blog posts that yeah. do this, that turn into an ebook, that turn into, you know, basically providing the creative and strategic advice that helps the business make yes. better decisions about its marketing strategy. The idea of 10 blog posts is they can go, they, at some point, if that's all you do, the client's going to go, well, what do I need you for? Right, I, I can literally go to ChatGPT myself and generate ten blog posts. You're you're not providing me any insight or value other than the fact that you know how to push some buttons that I could totally learn how to do. That is so such that's great the, advice. That's the real distinction. That is so important because yeah, absolutely. The client comes to you and say, "Well, can you do ten blog posts?" Like, yeah, I can, but I, you want me for, to tell you when not to do ten blog posts. That's exactly. what you want me for. That's exactly right. That's exactly. You need right. me on that wall. That's exactly right. You need me on that wall. You want me, <laughs> you on, that me on that wall. You bought me on that wall. You need me on yes. that wall. All, All right. right. Good so stuff. good luck, Thank Paris. You, Paris. I love the question. Yeah. Um, I love Australia. I miss Australia so we bad. We had some good times in um, Australia. And I would live in a van down by the river if uh, if I if I lived in Australia because I love that country so much. Did you see, did you so see it was okay. 10, 10 years ago we did the bridge climb there? Unbelievable. I know. Oh, I saw there was that um, that came up in a Facebook. Yeah, I remember we had a little just, bit of little text message yeah. going around that, of, the, of our picture. Yeah. Ten years ago. It was <clears> content fantastic. marketing world, Sydney. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Let's get to our rants and raves where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on stuff. But before we get to that, just a reminder just like Paris, you can also send us a message. Send us a wonderful message uh, on our website, which is thisoldmarketing.site. Please ask your questions. We love answering these questions. It's our favorite new segment here. Uh, And you can also do a number of other things there. You can subscribe to Joe's amazing newsletter, The Tilt. You can join our little uh, experience advisors community which is always fun. We just had our first uh, navigation session of 2023, and it was really fun. Um, You can also immerse yourself into the other 372 episodes uh, of this wonderful uh, podcast, the chuckle-headed goodness that we have there. We love you. You can also send us story ideas. We love the story ideas as well. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. So sing us a song, tell us a story, recite a poem, ask a question, whatever you like, but get on over there. All right. So with all of that, uh, would you like me to go first, or would you like to go no, first? Let me go, yeah. Your, mine will be your, brief, because uh, uh, we've talked okay. about AI right. to death on this show, but I thought this was interesting. Just to ask the questions, uh, our good friend, Andy Crestadina, uh, co-founder at Orbit Media. You're like, you're like Tucker Carlson. You're just asking questions. I'm just asking you're questions. Just, you're just asking questions. There's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's really no definitive questions. statements coming out of my mouth. It's just <laughs> questions. <laughs> Andy Crestadina, uh, our friend who will be presenting on uh, how to get found on uh, in, in Google and search and findability and subscribers at CEX. Really excited to see him in a couple of days. So Orbit partnered with a company called Question Pro, and they asked a thousand plus consumers if they'd like their service providers to get help from AI. Now, this is ah. not perfect in any way, shape or form. You and I talked about this a bit, but I like the just to think about this idea of a marketing services, a doctor, a financial advisor, an accountant, rideshare, news and journalism programs, where basically consumers are ask, asking whether or not they're okay with AI-supported services for these particular roles. And what we're finding out is is that human beings are 
pretty much okay for the most part, except maybe getting a haircut to this point. But everything else, they're, they're pretty much fine with, with AI-generated help with any of these services. And I'm starting to think, Robert, and correct me if I'm wrong, that society wants to deal with machines more than human beings. And we're going down that path pretty quickly. Am I right? Is this what the data is telling me? Walk me off I this ledge. Do, Talk well, the data may be saying that, but I think the so I looked at the <laughs> walk me off the ledge. I <laughs> here's what I think. I I don't think that's true, and I I think the, the quest. I mean, look, I, I love Andy to death, and this survey is interesting, but I really think that question was asked in a weird way. Um, that sort of got the answer they were maybe looking for. Um, which is if I say something like, "Do you care if uh, an agency, uh, you know, blah 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 blah," and then and then basically is it, you know, do you prefer it? You're going to get people who's, it, 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 you know, what it reminds me of. So just this week, the poll came out because Biden announced his reelection bid. Yeah, and the poll that came out was how do you how do Democrats feel about Biden re- announcing? And the choices that they had were satisfied scared, excited, or generally okay, right? So it's like, that's just a weird set of choices yeah. to, to, you know, because, and so no surprise, it's like, well, satisfied. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm generally satisfied. You know, that doesn't mean they don't have concerns. It doesn't mean that they don't, you know, that there's not a, a fear there. A, so in this very similar way, I think this is, the, the, this is a little bit like, you know, if you ask people like, are you okay? agencies or people using AI to deliver services to you? Well, yeah. Assuming the services are equal or better, yeah, I'm fine if they use AI. I don't think that means that they prefer it, right? So the question is asked in a bit of a weird way, but, and so I don't believe, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. There's absolutely that, that, that possibility, but I don't believe that people are generally preferential to machines over humans. Yet. Yet, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. no, okay. I, right. I'll give you one example. Yes. I can, Has somebody check you for being a Terminator? I just want to make sure somebody's been, you know, to check you for being like. Oh uh, yeah, I'm watching uh, the Matrix you know, and the, the Terminator after we get off of this podcast. If yeah, if you had a you choice, go. if there was a, and of course, let's say everything's safe, there's you're not going to get hurt in any way. But if you were to have a yep. car pull up that was uh, automatically driven, computer driven. And you could get in, and there was no human being to take you right where you would. You prefer that over getting in with an Uber driver today? No, I don't care. So, so I mean, I, and I mean that I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not because I know where you're going with the question. But, but I, I truly don't care. Like if, if, if all things being equal, um, and I'm going to get there safely, and I'm going to get there fine. I don't care if it's a person or an autonomous vehicle. I, I don't see. The, well, that's so you know, that you answered my question. You, you know what I mean? Because the, yeah. because it will, will we will default to the most efficient service, and the most efficient service will be a non-human. No, service. I d- no, I I wouldn't. If two of them, no, 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 no that's no. not. I, I didn't default. I'm writing this to, down. I didn't default to. You the, would absolutely the default to computer generated. No, ride. that's not what I said. No, that's, that's not what you not said. What but I that's said. what you meant. I said I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's Let's your, ask ChatGPT I wanna, what I meant. Yeah. What's yeah. your What's your rant? What's your What do you got? What are you doing? Okay. What's going on? Here, <laughs> what, what, 
this is a good cop. This is a good topic, though. It needs to be discussed. Um, I'm glad you brought it up because it's really interesting, um, and it's and it fits right into the theme of what we were talking about with Paris. So anyway, um, my my rant uh, is uh, against myself. Um, so longtime listeners of this show will remember three weeks ago or four weeks ago, uh, I think it was, um, that I actually just, I went out and said how much I loved the Bud Light, uh, executives doing the marketing campaign with Dylan Mulvaney, um, who, of, uh, who, who of course is transgender and, and, and I loved the campaign and I, I, at the time I called it a genius marketing campaign. I stand by that, by the way. I stand by the fact that I called it a genius marketing campaign. But news over the last couple of weeks, since that, since I proclaimed that wonderful genius move, have proven me to be so wrong. I mean, I was just, I was just, I'm, I'm completely wrong on this. They have just, they've done everything except shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, and and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a headline that says that they have but actually you, shot themselves in the foot. Two, I mean, yeah, two anti so, so InBev executives shoot themselves in the foot. I could see that. Right. I mean, yeah. literally shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, it's just crazy how badly they have handled this. Um, and when public sentiment, I have to believe, other than a few chuckleheads, as we talked about before, that, you know, including Kid Rock and, and others, sort of gave them the, like, gifted them the, this wonderful thing. And so, if, so just to catch everybody up on the news, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen uh, the sales decline. Um, and, and I don't think it's that much, Ten, but 10.7% they, uh, sales decline. Yeah. They've seen, they've seen a decline in sales because of, as from the backlash, but then the Anheuser-Busch InBev executives who basically came out and said, uh, you know, they sort of started to equivocate against this and we didn't mean to, you know, offend anybody. And we certainly didn't mean to cause a ruckus, uh, and basically threw their marketing team under the bus. And now, and the link will post is from Yahoo Finance, actually, that talked about how uh, the the marketing leads here have been put on leave. Uh, the, forced, not yeah. from what the article says, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, it's a not a willing leave of, abs- leave of absence. Yeah, yeah, which is, I just, you know, and then they released, and then they, to react to this, they, they released like this very ham-fisted patriotic ad that, you know, featured a horse running around and talking about horses and cowboys and the west and you know america and uh, just oh just so so just oh just so like if you were to write a white paper on how not to do this this would be it and so i just i all my my only rant here is i guess is to say this is how not to do this you you've got to commit like if you're going to do something like this, you have to commit to it. Nike is the perfect example of this that has chosen to take on socially, uh, uh, you know, hot topic issues and stuck with it. Right? They didn't. They didn't ever throw Colin Kaepernick under the bus. And, and and they you know and they've made their own. Nike has certainly made missteps along the way in terms of campaigns that were a little too you know overly over the top and over that kind of stuff. But this when they when they decide to do this they commit and you have to you have to commit to doing this because if you equivocate like this if you if you if you don't follow this down you do way more harm than you did good 
And that is just a, it's a tragic, tragic way to run marketing. And I just think it's just a, it's a case study on how not to execute against something like this. And so as more and more of this will start to emerge from brands, this is a perfect case study. And, and my fear is, is that it will put more a damper on this kind of marketing because of how badly it was uh, fumbled. So anyway, that's my rant. And, and, it's, and, and again, to myself, I, I, maybe I should have seen this or, or maybe I should have called it out earlier. Um, but, you know, I, I still think it was a brilliant campaign, but, I, but now it just seems foolhardy in, 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 uh, in, in hindsight. Well, your last statement is the most important. This obviously was, now I'm looking at it as a marketing gimmick I would call it that by Bud Light because yeah, they, that's they right. trailed away from it so quickly. Exactly. It was not Great part point. of their mission. Like as Nike, Nike will do something and they stand by something. It is their mission. And even if the marketing doesn't work, they continue on because yep. it is not just to sell more cans of beer. And that's obviously right. this was. That's right. Because some executive yes. got freaked out, saw this thing and says, you marketing people, you're done. It wasn't part of Bud Light's mission, Budweiser's mission. So great shame point. on all That's of them a great point because they're not thinking about that yes. as part of their mission. And, sh- and honestly, shame on marketing then because you've got to think, hey, if yeah. this doesn't work, is this something that we're proud of doing? Is this something that we will stand by even when we know we're going to get backlash and they needed to know that that was going to exactly. happen? That's such a great point. That's such a great point because Nike has done that as well, right? They've done sort of, I don't, I don't want to call them sort of... I don't want to call them fringe campaigns because they're not fringe campaigns. They're but they're campaigns that would normally create a bit of a stir uh, between between different groups of people. And even if the campaign didn't work, in other words, it didn't sell more shoes, they didn't then start to equivocate and go, "Well, we didn't really mean it, right? We didn't we didn't mean to do that ad. We just we just they stand by they stand by the ad. They may pull it. They may go, you know what? It didn't work. The the campaign it failed, and that's fine if the campaign fails, but. To, to equivocate on it is is such that's the mistake. It's it's a great point that you make. And the other thing is short, Mister, you know, short term. There's there's oh, the ab- absolutely it's just crazy, here. yeah, and absolutely a sales yep. impact. But you're going to measure the future of your company by what happened in two weeks of sales. Is that true? Yeah, on a ten percent drop because in, you don't in, yeah, know over the course of six weeks. Yeah, yeah. of course you yeah. had you had a very small group of people with a lot of social media power get behind this thing. And yep. it negatively impacted Bud Light. But you don't know how this could have turned out. It could have been the right way to go. That's right. But you didn't have the that's patience exactly for it. Right. And that's why I hate campaigns. Because they're supposed to stop. That's why content marketing is not a campaign. Because it's not supposed to go. stop. So, whatever. People. Tell your story. People. That's Tell why if everything right. was generated by AI, we would be fine. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Spoken by the Joe 9000 from yes. 2047. Um, yeah. Um, okay. What do you got this week? What's going on? Oh, nothing. Any, yeah, any we're, events we're just that we should know about? For, yeah. They've only been listening to it for the last <laughs> year. Creator Academy Expo starts Monday, May 1st, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. We're expecting 400 or so people. I'm so excited. Love it. It's going to be we're, great. You're going to be there. We're going to do the next uh, This Old Marketing from the floor. We'll do a yeah. live Q&A. Um, oh, yep. we should probably ask people to send questions in. Is what we really need. Please do send questions, folks. Yeah, we're going to answer those uh, live on the floor at CEX next week. So send in your questions. Go to thisoldmarketing.site. Even if you're not attending, please send yeah. in your question. Send in yeah. your thisoldmarketing.site. Send in your question, 
Uh, we'll choose the best uh, four or five, and we'll answer them from the floor and whatever we get at the, in Cleveland. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to see you on Monday. We're going to have yeah. the kickoff reception, and it's going to be. And there may or may not be alcohol involved. There, yes, there definitely that's, will that's be. The other thing. There definitely will be. And I just don't know if there's going to be Bud Light. But not my decision either yeah, that, way. That's that, a convention Now that's decision. funny. Now, that, so. That's good comedy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We, those of you, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and just remember, until we, well, not see you, and well, we will see some of you, but uh, we'll certainly be speaking with you next week. And just remember, in the meantime, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>